This is WCM's Park Update, a weekly show covering the outdoor hospitality industry hosted by Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. During each episode, you'll hear from special guests and campground experts on topics that will help your park flourish. WCM's Park Update is a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Hi, I'm Ben Quiggle, editor of Woodall's Campground Magazine, and welcome to another edition of WCM's Park Update. Of course, my esteemed colleague, Mike Gast, former vice president of Campgrounds of America is here, and he's enjoying life in Nebraska. I'm 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 sitting in the sun here. You can see my, hitting yeah. my head there. I'm soaking up as much as I can when I can. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what you got to do. So it's not like Hawaii where it's just all the time, I guess. So <laughs> and then our guest is Paul Bosley, um, founder. You're the founder, right? And yes, I am yeah. CEO of the business finance depot. You've yeah. been going around to I mean, you go to a ton of different conferences. You're gonna be at the National Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds National School of Management here pretty soon. I guess, when does that start? Uh, we have a faculty meeting on Sunday, this Sunday, okay. and all the classes are uh, next week. Yeah, and Paul is an, I mean, so you do quite a bit of SBA stuff. Do you do anything outside of the small business administration or is it mainly SBA loans and those types of loans, I guess? Uh, actually, we 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 have two other products besides USDA that SBA, I mean, that we've been doing quite a bit of. Uh, okay. As you can imagine, most of the campgrounds are located in rural areas. So uh, USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, has a commercial lending program that we use quite a bit. Uh, and there's some advantages and disadvantages to that, which we can dive into, I suppose, later. And then uh, one of the things that's happened quite a bit is uh, when you and I saw each other out at the uh, Glamping USA show out in Colorado, yeah. uh, I started walking around the outside uh, quite a bit and talking to the manufacturers of all the the glamping structures and the park model cabins and tiny homes, and they really don't have much financing in place. And because I've been in the fitness industry for the almost forty eight years, we do a lot of equipment financing in that industry. Uh, a lot of those treadmills and elliptical machines are are leased. They're not you know they're financed in the so we've been doing a lot of equipment financing, and we picked up about probably four or five of the major manufacturers that are sending us over all the uh, people that already have real estate, and they're just trying to finance the actual cabin or the or the glamping structure without refinancing their their mortgage. So we've been doing a lot of equipment financing and USDA loans in addition to the SBA loan. Yeah, Paul, maybe, I, maybe we could back up a little bit, Paul, and, and just talk a little bit about what the last couple of years has really done to the, to the lending business in, in camping. Is it is it exploded? Is it did it contract for a while and then explode? What what was the pace like? Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because I, I track our business, as you can imagine, you know, being a finance guy, it would be kind of silly for me not to track my own business. Yeah. Uh, and we have been almost exactly even uh, on an annual basis for the number of applications that we received, which is, you know, the, the main tracking source, because 
the number of applications, I think, are the things that uh, really drive everything that we do. And now the question is, what percentage of those applications can be approved and then are in turn accepted? Um, when you look at our, our actual sales volume at the end of the process, you know, when we actually are paid at the closings, our, uh, our, uh, uh, our income has almost been exactly the same too. So it, it's, it's interesting because um, I would have never expected that. If you would have asked me going into the COVID and, you know, interest rates going way up, I mean, if, nothing's been stable at all. And our our income and our our number of applications have been stable. Hmm. So, so I guess have you heard from more investors and things that are in and people that are interested in uh, owning or or developing parks? Um, did that go up after COVID, or is that remain pretty steady for you guys too? I think the number of people looking to get into the parks has dropped a little bit. But the number of people that have a park that want to finance glamping structures and improve their their campgrounds has increased. I think that's where the the change has been. And I think the uh, the part of our business that for financing fitness has almost gone away, and it's been replaced by people that are trying to finance campgrounds. I think that's it's 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 been like a shift in our business. You know, because you got to realize our business is. We're in three industries. We're in fitness, which is where I started, and I'm still in fitness. We're in franchising, where we do a lot of franchise financing, not, not campgrounds necessarily, but uh, other franchisors that we do. We do a lot of fitness franchises, actually. And then the third industry is the campground industry. So we're we're diverse in that we are in three different industries and we have different products. And I think it's just they kind of even themselves out somehow. It's like an ebb and a flow or something. So I would, I would assume that a lot of your business bef before the pandemic would, would have been very knowledgeable, uh, uh, experienced campground owners that were expanding or, or, or buying more campgrounds. Has that changed? Do, we, do you have a, a little less knowledgeable type of person coming into the business now? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it, we're seeing a lot of people that own some acreage and they want to develop it into Airbnb or... Uh, into campgrounds. I, I've, I've seen that a lot more, you know, it, it's not a little bit, a lot more, you know, people that have some real estate and they, they're trying to figure out how to make money on the real estate. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, what, what's it like dealing with those kind of new, newer people, I guess, does it take a little bit more effort on your part to help them understand all of the pieces that go into like building or buying a, a buying a park? Yeah, I used to have dark hair before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> now it's all white. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, there's, there's a lot more hand-holding. Uh, we've developed software that helps them with the financial projections a lot that's tailored specific to the campground industry. It's a, a, We hired a company that um, teaches Excel, and they... And I, I showed them all the financial projections and the uh, uh, in the loan request forms that banks send out. They're just Excel templates that they have to people have to fill in, and we've customized them so it's all in one uh, all in one uh, file. 
where so when you change like the number of campgrounds, I mean, the number of pull through sites you have or the number of uh, glamping structures you have or what you're going to charge for them, it automatically adjusts the uh, loan request and the financial projection. So we've we've tried to make it so it's easier for people. Yep. And we uh, and we usually give that as, as part of our service is the way we work with most people. So it just makes their life a lot easier. So what is the start to finish timeline on uh, applying for a loan until the loan goes through? Um, well, it depends on depends on which loan you're talking about. Equipment financing is very fast. You know, it's the, the paperwork's not as involved. Uh, they, we get a couple of invoices from, you know, if they're whatever the manufacturers they're using, uh, they get maybe the underwriter might have a couple questions and then they either get approved or declined. And once they get approved, uh, they send the paperwork over. Once the person signs it, that's pretty much it. Then the uh, the lender takes over from there. And, you know, the loan is finalized after the equipment is delivered and installed. And then the, uh, uh, the you know, the owner of the, the property uh, signs what's called the delivery and acceptance form. And they say everything's fine. And then the loan, you know, the, the lease and the loan starts to get repaid. That process is quick. SBA is a little bit more involved. Um, we get people pre-qualified. A lot of times before they're even, we have people that are trying to get pre-qualified before they even go to find a campground. So they come to us and they try to figure out how much their financing can they can get for financing. So that process is really kind of simple because we just get their bio and their personal financial statement, which lists their liquid assets and their their debt and everything like that. And we get their um, uh, their tax returns and their uh, uh, their um, uh, their bio. I said the bio, so then we get all those, and then we get them a, a letter of intent, kind of saying, "All right, all right, Michael, you're you're financeable for up to a million bucks." So now you can go out, kind of like getting pre-qualified for a mortgage. Mm -hmm. Now you can go out and start looking for the campgrounds. And we do that a lot. You know, we, it's a service that some of our SBA lenders have come up with because basically in their jargon, you're taking people off the street. You're, you're, you're getting them so they're committed to that lender uh, because they've given them the bio. So they're not going to go out and shop the loan, you know, with somebody else. They're, they're going to use the company that gave them the pre-qualification. That's the advantage to the lender to do that. So once they get the, the information from the park owner that they want to purchase, they get a letter of intent and they get a uh, uh, the tax returns and the interim financial statement. Now it's just a matter of putting the documents together with the buyer's documents and then they get a, a letter of intent back from the bank. Um, if they're not buying a campground and they're just going to build one, then we just, the only difference is now you got to get the contractor's bids and you got to get the uh, the land purchase agreement, you know, whatever's involved with uh, with developing the site. And then eventually in both of those cases, they get a, a commitment letter from an underwriter. And now once they sign the commitment letter, they're under contract either to buy the, the campground or to build the campground. And the uh, the lender includes the interest expense within the loan that they expect, you know, buying a campground might take 90 days where building a campground might take a year. So they, they estimate the interest expense within the loan. And then yeah. when the loan, when everything's completed, the loan closes. Uh, and then they, start. so uh, for those two examples, I would say uh, 
Equipment financing is probably 90 days, maybe 120 days, depending on how long it takes to deliver the equipment. A lot of people are going toward glamping structures because they, they're quicker, you know, where the, I'm sure you've heard that the, uh, the park model cabins, you're sitting around waiting for a year, you know, right now. Um, with uh, SBA loans, if you're buying a place, probably four months, maybe roughly. Uh, if you're building, I got one guy I'm doing a USDA loan for, but on my third year anniversary. Wow. Is that, uh, and, go ahead, Ben. Is that mainly due to the loan process or is that just due to all the other like land and, and like zoning and different processes that they have to go through to develop the park? It, 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 it started out as an SBA loan under 5 million. And one of the things with USDA loans, they go up to 20 million, 25 million actually. So he, because of the pandemic and the price increases, uh, his his loan request ended up going over 5 million. So we had to switch lenders to go from SBA to USDA. And then there's just a whole different process there. USDA to answer you know, your question, Michael, the prior question about the timing, USDA takes longer for two reasons. One, you have to do an environmental study first to make sure you're not, you know, uh, maybe getting involved with developing an Indian burial ground or, you know, maybe eagles or, you know, something like that. Uh, actually, I got an interesting story about one of our US uh, KOA clients that they found some uh, Indian burial grounds on the land that we're going to develop. And you also have to do a feasibility study. So those things have to be completed before you can get into underwriting. And then once it's approved by the bank, it has to go to the regional USDA office for them to approve it also. So that process takes much longer. But the reason people go through the process is the, the loans go up to 25 million. That's number one. Number two, with SBA, once you hit 5 million, you're done. You can't get any more SBA loans. So if you get somebody that's a developer that really wants to do a lot of these, USDA, you can do a $5 million one this week and go back and do a $20 million next week. And then the week after you could do $15 million. Each one has to be under 25 million, but you can do as many of them as you want. So the larger developers like the USDA products for that reason, you've got the ability to, to do them. And the other benefit is you have a 30-year term. So it's like a mortgage almost, just like a house mortgage goes 30 years to repay where the SBA does 25 years. And the interest rate is normally a little less on USDA. So, you know, it's like everything else in life. It's a little bit harder up front, but then the benefits are, are better in the long run. But it does take longer. So in my 22 years in the in the camping business, I could probably count on one hand how many new construction campgrounds I saw, uh, not just in KOA, but in general. I mean, there, nobody was building campgrounds for a couple of decades. And I, I assume that's really changed as far as your business goes. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people uh, doing not only BizAx, but also building new ones. And like I said, a lot of these little, like that Glamping USA show is full of people that just don't land that want to figure out what to do. I mean, that's what that show is. I mean, it's a lot of tire kickers, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. And they're trying to figure out how to develop their land. Yeah, I mean, I think this year at the glamping show, we saw a lot more people that were kind of more ready to build or like 
we're a little bit more along in the process. I think in years previous, we when I had been there, you had a lot more tire kickers or just people that showed up that were just kind of at that low level, like just exploring level. And I think this year at the show, I saw a lot more people that were taking that next step and uh, ready to build or had a piece of land that they own that they were ready to to start moving on. So that was kind of interesting to see. But uh, yeah, the glamping has just exploded, you know, and a lot of these we're talking about really small parks, you know, you're talking like six yeah. to 10 units. So, yeah. um, um, what, so what is the, uh, what is the interest rate uh, fluctuations done, done to the loan volumes that this year, have they gone down at all? Oh yeah, it's it's it the, the the like I said, the number of applications we're getting are are the same, but you know there's a lot more hesitancy on the on the borrower's part to pull the trigger. Uh, the way interest rates are calculated, everything works off of prime first of all, and prime is a is fluctuates based on the five meetings from the board of governors, you know, the federal board of governors. Yeah, and they've recently raised it to seven and three quarters. And what everything I read the Wall Street Journal every day, which is um, a good way to, for me to read it at night, puts me to sleep. Um, you know, but it, it it definitely works well. That's for darn sure. Because I when I hit the pillow, I'm out. But um, the idea behind it is they they say that they're probably going to raise it a couple more times, a quarter of a point, until they start to get inflation down and the labor market cools a little bit. Is everything I'm reading. So when I'm talking to my clients, they say, listen, you probably got to expect it's going to go up probably at least another half a point, maybe as much as another point. Now, what the SBA and the USDA both mandate, the lender cannot put a risk premium on top of it that exceeds 2.75%. That's the max, and that's fixed. So right now, we're at 10 and a half max. It can't go above 10 and a half at this point. When the Fed changes it from seven and three quarters to eight or whatever, however they do it the next time, then we're going to be at 10 and three quarters. Mm -hmm. So campground. I tell them you're not going to be making payments probably for a year. So by then, based on everything that I'm reading, it's going to level off and probably start to come down because they're going to, you know, trying to stimulate the economy by lowering the rates. With the USDA, I mean, excuse me, with the equipment financing, it's different. They, they a good lender is going to get it right around the same as a uh, as an SBA loan. They're probably going to be right around ten, and it's going to be fixed. It's not it's not a variable rate. It's just a fixed rate for anywhere from three to seven years. It's kind of like financing a car. Mm -hmm. So uh, with that product. It's more of a cash flow type of product. That one, in the in yeah. the way I explain this to people, is when you look at the monthly payment instead of the interest rate, the question you have to answer is: Are you going to bring in more rental income than the payment? And if you are, then it's a good idea to do it because you're basically that Danny DeVito movie, other people's money. <laughs> you're using other people's money to make money. If you don't think you're going to bring in as much money in rental income to make the payment. You'd have to have your head examined to do it. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So that's more of a cash flow decision that you have to make. Okay. All right. 
Well, we have to take a quick break uh, to recognize our sponsor, and we will be back to talk with Paul once the break is over. Thanks. WCM's Park Update is being brought to you by Woodall's Campground Magazine. For over five decades, Woodall's Campground Magazine has aimed to provide park owners and operators with the relevant industry news they need to run their businesses more efficiently. As times have changed, so has Woodall's Campground Magazine. Besides just its print publication, which is distributed to more than 14,000 industry professionals every month, the magazine also reaches readers through its various social media platforms, including Facebook at Woodall CM, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Woodall's Campground Magazine also offers a daily e-blast, which highlights the top news from the industry. The best part? Everything we do is advertiser-supported and free to our readers. As the outdoor hospitality industry continues to grow at a rapid pace, it is important to stay up to date on trends and other relevant news. Subscribe to Woodall's Campground Magazine at woodallscm.com. Hi, welcome back to WCM's Park Update with our guest Paul Bosley from Business Finance Depot. And he has been talking just about some of the different factors impacting the loan process, how long you know it can take to get loans, um, just building uh, developments, expansions. It's just been real fascinating. I know Woodall's just recently had a story about um, kind of the real estate market and um, some of the economic issues. I guess, are there other economic factors besides maybe interest rates that are impacting like uh, USDA loans or SBA loans or people applying for loans? Well, um, I think the probably the biggest thing I'm noticing is because the idea of taking advantage of the the campground industry itself because it's expanded so much due to COVID. Uh, the biggest thing I'm seeing is there's just a lot of landowners that are interested in developing their land to to make you turn it into a campground into or to a small. I've, I've even seen a lot of little tiny home development people. So they, it's not even an RV park. It's people that are uh, just trying to put park model cabins or tiny homes on the land and have a little kind of tiny home resort. I've seen my first two of those within the last couple months. Um, I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed. Um, other than that, it's the same old, same old. I mean, underwriting is underwriting is underwriting. You mentioned you're going back to uh, this week yet to, to teach at, at Ogilvy. And, and what's the what's the clientele look like? What's the student body look like at Ogilvy now? Is it people from all walks of life? Uh, are they younger? Are, are we getting a lot younger people getting into the camping business now? Well, the, every every year that I, I this is my I guess my fifth year in a row teaching the teaching the yeah. school. It's it's they're from all over the United States and it's a wide demographic mix. I mean, it's it's anything from young couples all the way to older people that are you know looking to build something and maybe hand it off to their to their kids. I see that a lot with the older people. You know, they've got kids that they're trying to build a business for. Actually, to some extent, I'm in that same kind of group because my daughter owns a percentage of the business and eventually it's going to be hers if I don't sell it. So. Um, you know, you see that a lot, you know, with, with people. So it's, I haven't noticed any one, you know, demographic or, you know, regional uh, area at all. It's been all over the United States, all age groups. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess, uh, 
do you notice a difference between what maybe the younger and like older people bring when they when they come for a loan are they looking for different things are they talking about different things do they have like different approaches i think the um a lot of the customers that I'm dealing with that are younger, uh, they either have to get the the seller to do a, a take back note, a hold back note for part of the equity injection, or they have to get a gift letter from a relative or a parent, or they have to bring in an investor. So I think it's different. Uh, the equity injection, because as a general rule, when you're doing financing, the minimum equity injection for any type of loan, I don't care whether it's SBA, USDA, uh, is 10%. And the the maximum is 30%. I mean, they rarely look for more than 30%. So if you're, you know, let's just say the average campground is a million dollars. So, you know, and let's just say the average equity injection is 20%. Well, there's not a lot of people that have a couple hundred thousand bucks laying around. Yeah. You know, so, you know, they either have to liquidate stock, you know, do the ROBS program, which is the program by the IRS, which was designed so you can self-fund your, your project by using your retirement account without putting that money, without paying interest or a penalty on it for early withdrawal or putting it into uh, income, or they have to get a gift or they have to bring in a partner. I've got... Uh, in a couple situations right now, today, actually, I was talking to one of my lenders about a couple that are, they're really requiring almost the lender or the seller to uh, do a take back note, which basically means that let's just say in that example, the project is a million five <clears throat> for sale. And let's just say it's a 20% equity injection. So, you know, it's a $300,000 equity injection and the, uh, the loan amount is going to be a million two. And it's probably going to be an SBA loan. Well, they've got about half of that money and they need the seller to do a take back note. You know, the back note means that that one is the, the seller is agreeing to, to hold a note, a separate note for $150,000 in that example. So they're going to come up with 150 in cash. The seller is going to do a take back note. So for 150, so the total is the 300,000. That's the equity injection. And then the loan amounts a million two. The, the the terms of a seller note are you can accrue interest. It's got to be reasonable interest, probably single digit interest rate for two years. You don't get paid for two years. And then starting in month 25, you can have a note that you're getting repaid for whatever term you, you know, negotiate. So it could be a five-year term at like 8% or something like that. So that that counts as equity injection. We're seeing a lot of that, you know, where, where we, we need the seller to do an equity injection. And there's some benefit. A, they help make the sale happen. B, they're not paying taxes, uh, the capital gains on that money, you know, because it's being held back. So they're lowering their taxable income. I mean, there's some benefits to it. And then they have a stream of income uh, later on. So we see that a lot. So let's... Let let me ask one of our favorite questions that we seem like we, we ask it in different ways every week, but are you seeing a, a lot of development in the electronic vehicle charging or are, are people investing in that? Are they taking out loans to put in charging stations? I haven't seen that at all. I haven't seen that at all. And, and 
I'm not sure we could even finance that. You know, I, I have with equipment financing, the equipment's got to be able to be removed. And mm. I, I kind of doubt you could even remove that because generally speaking, uh, you know, what you can finance for equipment are things like golf carts or, uh, you know, maybe uh, cell towers or, you know, or something like that, you know, tiny homes. Glamping. But you haven't seen that in in, uh, in new construction at all as part of no. the no, I've seen it in new construction, but I haven't seen it in a separate requirement request. Okay. Yeah, I um, I mean, it, that's kind of interesting. We've seen some parks looking to invest in that, but it hasn't really, uh, not a tremendous amount of park owners are investing too much in it yet, I guess. Maybe that's something that you'll see down the road as people start inquiring more. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I tried to stop predicting the future quite a while. <laughs> well, that, that, that was my next question, Paul. I was just going to ask you, where do you think we're going the next five years with, with loans? I know you I, mentioned I, that, that you mentioned that you think it's going to lighten up in a year and uh, and the interest rates might be, be coming down. You know, at least in, in our situation, I, 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 I can't answer this other than from my own company, you know, our own personal situation. We're, we're now, I think, in our sixth or seventh year in the industry. So uh, this year, we're going to have a pretty strong presence in, in the clamping show as well as ARVC. So uh, I would expect our, our business is going to grow quite a bit is the way I think our, our business personally will grow. Uh, what I have noticed, and this is an indication of growth anyhow, is uh, there are more lenders exhibiting at these shows. Uh, you know, I think at the glamping show, there were four lenders at ARBC, there were four lenders and they're, you know, they, they wouldn't be, I mean, banks wouldn't be exhibiting unless there was a lot of business to be had, or at least they thought there is. So, uh, you know, I think overall, the, my general feeling is that this industry is just going to continue to grow for the foreseeable future. And I think that's just because people aren't going to stop taking vacations. And, uh, you know, and a lot of people would rather probably just go out to the to the country somewhere to the, you know, parks or something and rent a cabin or, or, you know, buy a camp. I mean, the other indicator, I guess I see this in Woodalls a lot is the RV sales. You yeah. know, when RV sales are an indication of what people are doing, that's for sure. That's a pretty big commitment. Yeah, I mean, the RV sales have uh, went down quite a bit last year. I think they're predicted to go down even more this year. But I think oh, it's really? gonna, yeah, I think it's going to level out. But yeah, I mean, I think they went down like twenty percent last year, didn't they? Uh, Mike. Yeah, know? yeah, that that's that's that is the case. I mean, they, they really fell off the last half of the year. And, but I, uh, but um, you know, they, they were at historical highs. So I mean at some point you had to kind of level off to some degree. And then there's a ton of people with RVs that are still going to use those RVs to camp. So, and there's a lack of campsites, which is really driving developments. So. The backlog of orders to dealers was so huge, you know, for all yeah. those major manufacturers that they probably got enough work to, uh, to keep going for another year, just, just filling out the backlogs that those backlogs are still standing. Yeah. I think one of the concerning points for the RV industry is just that, I mean, I notice now when you go by the dealers, you're seeing more stock on their lots and it's staying there. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting to see and how that impacts the outdoor 
hospitality industry, but I mean, if you've bought a unit in the last two to three years, you're definitely going to be using it to camp and, uh, you know, we'll have to yeah, see. It, it is a good indicator, as you said, Paul, of the RV sales, but you got to consider that there's, you know, what, 14, 15 million of those rolling around out there. Uh, it various degrees, maybe they're 10 years old and on up. And that's a lot of inventory that's, that people have invested in, to your point, that, you know, they, they've made the investment in the lifestyle. And and uh, I always used to laugh when I get a call from the from the New York Times or Wall Street Journal when the economy or when when gas prices went up, for instance, and they would assume that our business was in trouble. And I always said, no, we're fine. Well, who's out there doing that? Well, people that chose the lifestyle in People don't give up a lifestyle choice easily. I mean, this this isn't something. It's like it's just like buying a boat, making that investment in how sure. you in your free time. And once that investment is made, they will give up a lot of other things in order to maintain that lifestyle because that's what that's what they got it for. That's right. I yeah, mean, I, I'm one of them. I I have an airstream. I'm one of them. And I think sometimes people get in the trap too of comparing it to the auto industry. And but but I mean I don't think people are gonna buy an RV and then a two year, two, three years down the road, they might buy another one. I don't think it's quite the same. I mean, I imagine there's a group of people that do do that. Um to some degree, maybe they want a, a, the newest, best unit that's out there. But I think a lot of these people who just bought their units are probably looking at five to ten years before they maybe think about getting another unit. Um, so we'll just have to see. And the ERVs are coming, which is kind of interesting. I know Winnebago has been working pretty heavily on those. So um, we'll have to see what the future looks like. So it's it's great. Um, I think the gas prices do impact those traveling, those parks along the highways and stuff, though, that um, do rely on the travelers. I don't think people travel as much when gas prices are high. But I noticed that the gas prices are going down, at least in my area. So, so Paul, do you see the face of ownership changing? Uh, is it already changed? Are, are we into more groups? More uh, uh, are the mom and pops giving it up because the time is right? They can get a lot. They can get a lot of money for it right now, and they're just choosing now to get out. And we're going to see a lot more group ownership out there. I, I, one of the things I've definitely noticed, and I've, I saw this in the fitness industry too is the the mom and pops this to me was a mom and pop industry when i first got into it it reminded me a lot when i got in the health club industry my first club was when i was 28 that i owned and it was always a mom and pop industry you went to the conventions and it was people that owned one or two in an area and that was it and then the big companies started getting involved and the franchises starting to grow and i think i've seen the same exact thing in this industry it's almost like deja vu for me you know where you're getting these big companies coming in and they're buying up the parks and you know yeah they're i've, I've definitely seen that a lot you know and i, I don't think it's ever going to replace all the mom and pops because the big guys only want them in the big demographic areas where there's a lot of traffic and that leaves a lot of the united states out there for for the mom and pops but yes i have definitely seen that trend for sure yeah, and I don't know if that trend's going to slow down. Um, where I think uh, here at Woodalls, we see all the time, Blue Water, you know, Sun Outdoors, they're actively buying, seeking parks, and it's kind of interesting. So um, we'll see what the industry turns into. 
So, but uh, Paul, it's been great chatting with you. We'll let you go. So have a great time at Arvix School of Management. It should be a fun experience up there. So. Thank you. Looking forward. You're not to dragging. It. You're not dragging that airstream north, are you? No, well, no, not not there because it's still too too cold. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're just doing the hotel thing. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the show, thank and you, thanks Paul. everyone for watching. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you, gentlemen. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to WCM's Park Update, a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Join us for a new show each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn for daily news and updates, and subscribe to our news feed on our website at woodallscm.com. Show hosts are Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. Executive producers Rick Kessler and Alex Burkett. Copyright 2022, G&G Media Group.